you are new to the podcast or a returning listener, welcome to CDCR Unlocked. I'm Tessa Outheis. This episode features stories, topics, and conversations surrounding the department's Division of Rehabilitative Programs, or DRP. On behalf of DRP, we hope to share and showcase the hard work and dedication of our staff programs and populations we serve. This podcast was recorded on April 28, 2022, and features DRP Director Brant Choate. Good morning. Good morning to you, kind sir. I'd like to thank you for taking time, obviously out of your busy day, to talk to us here in detail. Maybe you can take a few minutes and tell us how things have been going operationally here in DRP. Well, it's interesting you say that things have have always been going, and they never really did stop. And if you look at the programs that we run inside the prison, while our, our participants, our students, have been more sequestered inside their cells and not as active in group classes, we had to pivot over the past couple of years and provide packet programming, independent study. And uh, because of the, the hard work and dedication of our staff, our teachers, our college professors, it's been amazing what they've been able to pull off in terms of still providing programs for people and at least something to do. It'd be great if you could tell us a little bit more about uh, the CDCR podcasts in general and what the public can expect from DRP. Well, one of the things we learned from the pandemic is the importance of communication. And we, we learned that our, our residents, those that are incarcerated inside California prisons, when they're not able to go to classes and attend the events that we normally provided, they, they still need to be communicated with. And so the ability to now put messaging on a podcast in that format and put it out and broadcast it both through our institutional television as well as through other devices that we may have, such as tablets or laptops, that's really important is to be able to communicate not only messaging but programming to that population, but also to our community at large. The vast majority of the folks in the community and in our, our public, if you will, they're not aware of the great things that we're doing inside the prisons. So we hope with this podcast to be able to showcase and, and discuss the kinds of things that we do inside the prison. For example, did, did you know that we provide academic instruction for our population, those that are in need of uh, literacy skills or high school diplomas and GEDs? And did you know that we provide career technical education with over 20 different trades, vocational programs? And did you know that we also provide college programming for anybody that's uh, eligible and willing to go to college? Along with academic education, career technical education, and college, we also provide substance use disorder treatment. So many of our participants have substance use issues, and that's one of our our key programs to ensure that people do not return to prison or actually return to the community with these issues. Uh, We also provide a whole variety of community-based reentry programs including housing and treatment and, and uh, other types of, of life skills programs. And most people don't know that. Yeah, and I think you're, to touch on that, what you're really talking about right there is we're going to be doing some focusing on folks who are going through these programs. Well, we certainly want to have people participate in the podcast that have been through our programs, so formally incarcerated. Right. 
What's what was successful? What was not successful? And what was your experience? What's your story? Those kind of things are very interesting to listen to. We also want to interview people that are currently incarcerated, and we also want to interview other members of the department, key executive leaders of the department, and find out from their perspective where are things going. And we can also certainly we want to include members of the community, so community-based organizations and community leaders, anybody really that interfaces in the criminal justice arena, we want to be able to to bring in and have be part of this conversation. It's not just the Division of Rehabilitative Programs. It's not just the, the programs per se. There are many, many people and organizations that that impact this population to ultimately reduce recidivism because that's really our ultimate goal is to make sure people do not return to the community, uh, commit crimes, is public safety. And how do we improve public safety? Well, there are a lot of people that do that. And so let's, let's get all those people together in a virtual room, if you will, and, and discuss what's going on and what are they doing in their individual part to, to impact and improve public safety. The biggest thing that's happening to us now is that we're getting back to, to real face-to-face programming. And so we are anxiously engaged in bringing programs back up and our, our teachers, our college professors, and our program providers are back in the prisons and getting things going again. So that's probably the most exciting thing. But during the pandemic, as I mentioned before, we didn't stop progressing in terms of some of our main initiatives. And probably one of the largest initiatives that we've been working on and is more current now than ever is the technology initiative, where we, as of January, started rolling out laptop computers to those that are in college, in bachelor's degree programs, especially to begin with. And we're up to, I don't know, six different prisons, I believe, where we have a bachelor's degree program and our students actually have a laptop and they can log in to our new learning network, which is a secure network, but through the internet and access their college classes. And they actually use the same learning management system that they would on the outside if they were attending, whether it's a community college or a state university. So that's exciting to see that happening. Statewide, 38% of our population does not have a high school diploma or a GED. So that's a high number, 38%. So with about roughly 100,000 people incarcerated in California now, that's roughly 35 to 38,000 people that do not have a high school diploma. Those people are far more likely to come back to prison if we send them home that way. So from a public safety perspective, we have to focus on literacy. So I've challenged our schools in a kind of a friendly, competitive way to lower their score and to lower it down to as low as 10%. And maybe I'm being overly aggressive, but I don't like that 38%. And my goal is to have the, the most literate prison system in the country. It's called uh, Prison Literacy Project 2025 for a reason. <laughs> and the 2025 is a date. Uh, and I'm putting it out there. In three years, let's do this. Let's lower that score. And 
And I don't know whether we'll get to 10%. There are a whole variety of reasons why people do not achieve a high school equivalency. But I, I decided to set the bar pretty high, and let's see what we can do. But we know that even if we lower it by 1% or 2%, that has a profound impact on public safety. Right. For many years, we've been working on what we now call the DRP Learning Network. Uh, it may eventually have a different name, but... And really what that is, it's a, a secure internet connection where we have our own cloud, if you will. And that means that we can, we can whitelist other sites and put them in, in this learning network that are educational in nature. So we have contracts with uh, other companies, and we provide some of their uh, URLs, whitelisted URLs. And we have some of our own things that we put in there. But essentially, it's a way for, for our student to log in using the Internet. They go to a secure site where they're not able to uh, penetrate and go free willy-nilly on the Internet somewhere. But they can still ac access the technology of the Internet to be able to access these sites, these learning sites, whether it be uh, software to to help with earning a GED. It could be high school courses. It could be online college classes, literacy, reading remediation, math remediation, all those kind of things are on this DRP Learning Network right now. My vision that it is that it becomes the central repository for all learning for the department, whether it be academic or vocational or mental health or substance abuse treatment, whatever it might be, it's there as part of this learning network. And then any device that we put out in the field, whether it's a laptop or a tablet, uh, or in the future a VR headset, who knows? They can access the, the learning network. Right. That's great. I've been with the department for almost eight years. And I remember... Eight years ago, we literally were, our technology was a piece of chalk. And then we upgraded. We went to marker boards, and we were using, uh, you know, felt marker pens and, and maybe some, some electronic marker boards. But never has it been this advanced. And, and we're right in there with all the other states. In fact, I'd like to say that we're ahead of most states in terms of technology and, and what we're doing and setting the stage for nationally what what can and will, what will be happening. However, it is important, I think, to think in the future and, and plan for what we're doing. Uh, I did mention already the initiative for improving literacy, project literacy. That's a big push, and I'll be focused a lot on that over the next couple of years. But another push is really taking this jewel that we've created, this learning network, this online, this cloud that we have and sharing it with others. So one of the things we're exploring right now is we have 13 reentry facilities or soon to be 13. Our 13th is opening up in, in Oakland in, in a couple weeks. We need to be able to share this same technology with, with those folks as well so they can continue what they may not have finished while in prison with the same technology. Another area that we really need to focus on is virtual reality. And I believe that that's going to impact more than anything our treatment side. 
whether it's the cognitive behavioral intervention classes that we teach or even the mental health side within CDCR, because there are so many things you can do with that even today. And we actually are starting to bring in some virtual reality already into one of our prisons through one of our community-based organizations, where essentially the, the students, the participants will wear the, the VR headsets and participate in more of the arts. Uh, and so it's part of our arts and corrections program. But I see that translating and transitioning into real treatment. Yeah, it, these are all definitely exciting initiatives, and I think there's uh, going to be a lot of really great things down the road for DRP, and um, I really appreciate you taking the time, again, out of your schedule today to meet with us and to talk a little bit about it as we kick off this initial CDCR podcast featuring DRP and Director Brant Choate. Brant, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you again for your time. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Thank you to Director Choate for coming on and sharing with us. Rehabilitation is such a big part of the mission of CDCR, and it's nice to hear from a decision maker. We're looking forward to hearing more from DRP in the future. And thank you for listening. Look for new episodes of CDCR Unlocked every other week. We'll see you next time.